0: The Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Grabiel. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Grabiel. And as always, thank you for jumping in and um, being open-minded to learning more about business and leadership. And how that applies to you wherever you are and wherever you work. Um, this is season two, episode three. The title of today's episode is How to Master Delegation in 10 Steps. Quick side note though, if you haven't checked out episode one or episode two of the second season, I highly recommend it. Um, how to Thrive uh, in the over the in the new economy was one of the most popular episodes so i highly recommend checking that one out and if you have checked out the show and if you enjoyed one of them please do me two favors please leave a review i think you can just scroll all the way to the bottom click that five star button and say something nice um, and share it with a friend share it on social media i'm most active on instagram at jared axel grabial so if you share it make sure to tag me um but all that aside let's jump into the content. I'm really excited about today's episode because this is actually something I was asked to teach on. Um, and then I was asked to make a podcast about it. So I'm really excited because delegation is one of the most unique and powerful tools of leadership in the workplace from a small business or from Fortune 500 companies. Um, delegation is something that you need to thrive in your organization, no matter how large or how small it is. Delegation is important if you're running a community group or on a sports team or doing a project in college. Delegation is a massive, important tool that really nobody's teaching, and those that are attempting to teach it aren't teaching it well. Now, I'm not saying that I've mastered it, However, the title of today is How to Master Delegation in 10 Steps, ironically enough. I'm going to teach you how to master it because I really believe that these 10 steps speak for themselves and they lay it all out. It's like a map for you. So let's dive right in. There is a massive difference between management, entrepreneurship, and leadership, right? So unfortunately, since these words are so much more commonly used these days, People oftentimes confuse them with each other, but none are mutually exclusive to the other. For example, you can be a successful manager or a successful entrepreneur and be bad uh, or a mediocre leader. Leadership is not defined by production or revenue, but by your ability to develop people and drive a business forward in the long term. One of the greatest struggles of any entrepreneur transitioning into leadership, especially as their business grows, is the process of delegation. The inability to delegate is one of the most common things holding back young leaders or even older leaders, honestly, executives and business owners from scaling their influence and reaching their goals. As a small business owner myself, this was one of my toughest hurdles early on. Also, as a consultant and a leadership coach, it's something that I teach on regularly. My hopes are that this will be your one stop shop for learning the process of delegation in a very practical step by step way. Now, that's just how my mind works, is practical step-by-step. So I hope in how I teach this stuff, it lays it out very clearly for you. And so that's my goal. Step one of how to delegate is recruiting. This is actually, if you read about delegation very often, are they going to talk about this stage? Because it's like the prequel to the process of delegation. But you know, you can be a master of delegation, but if you've got the wrong people on your team, you won't get anywhere. The first step to proper delegation starts long before you actually begin to delegate. It starts during your hiring process. Now this can be difficult, especially for small business owners who need people right away, but you will learn over time. It costs three times as much to hire the wrong person than it does to wait for the right person. Now, whether it's your dishwasher, front desk clerk, janitor, or highly paid marketing executive, I think everyone needs at least two to three interviews before being hired. If you've done the work to make sure you find someone that fits, you want to make sure that they fit your company's mission, their values, and culture. That way, they coincide with everyone else that works with you. Not only should they fit, but they have to be eligible for the specific position that you're hiring for. Recruiting for a position within your company is much like dating, and you wouldn't get into a committed long-term relationship after just one day at least I hope not now this person will hopefully be with you a long time and is a financial investment of yours so I recommend that he or she meets with other leaders within your company prior to being hired as well that way everyone knows that they will get along with this person especially in a small business environment you have to hire people that you like because you're gonna spend a lot of time with them now I'm not talking about creating a boys club or a girls club or your gym buddy, or your best friend, I'm talking about possibly a stranger that sent you the resume, but this stranger now has the potential to be someone that you would actually want to see every day in your office, doesn't have to be your best friend, it does have to be someone that lines up with the culture, the mission, the vision, and the values of the company, and if they do, chances are you will like them, again, it doesn't mean you got to hang out with them every weekend or anything like that. Now, if you find that they fit the mission, the values, and the culture, and if their resume, education, and experience align with the position, and if the pay is what they're looking for, then bring them on the team. So step one is recruiting. Go back and just listen to all that if you have any trouble with that. And again, this is always transcribed in blog format on the website at jaredgrabiel.com, but we'll jump into step two. Step two is a personal audit. Once you've built your ideal team, even if it's just one other person, right, if you're a solopreneur transitioning into bringing people on one by one, it's time to do a personal audit. Self-reflection and self-awareness are not only vital to maturity and emotional intelligence, but they are crucial to your development as a leader. I recommend doing one, if not all, of these three things. Number one, journal for 15 minutes at the beginning or the end of each day and reflect on how you spend your time. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more about this particular one, go back and check out my episode on time budgeting so you can see, you know, how do I fit in 15 minutes of journaling before or after my day. The second one is journal once a week for about an hour and reflect on how you spend your time. This way you can think about what needs to change in order for your role as the leader to progress. And the third one is journal at least once a month for two to three hours and identify the progress or the lack thereof um, that you and your company are making. Identify what is working and what is not working. Then begin to strategize how you will make the necessary changes. So again, you've got to do a personal audit regularly, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly. So you can begin to recognize, you know, maybe your, maybe you're working too much. Maybe you're overflowing. Maybe you're stretched too thin. And now it's beginning to be the time to delegate, which brings us into step three, create your to don't list. Now, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, or all three, you should begin to recognize the things that are taking up your time that aren't necessarily a high priority. Maybe at one point they were, but as you and your company have grown, you've taken on higher level responsibilities and some things need to go. Once you know what these things are, write them down on your to-don't list, and let's move on to step four. Step four, eliminate, automate, and delegate. This is how we're gonna transition into exactly what needs to be delegated. Now, you're, you'll want to address your to-do list in this specific order, so whatever can't be automated or eliminated is what gets delegated. Now, First question, what can I eliminate? And this is pretty dramatic, right? Because that means you're just getting rid of it. You may have to have a quick conversation with your boss, your coworker, or your spouse before you ultimately quit doing some of these things. But these are the things that if they didn't ever get done again, they wouldn't negatively change anything. So if you were to ask yourself, if I quit doing X, Y, and Z, would anything negatively change? And if the answer is no, then you can just stop doing it. Then you can start to add more to your plate um, or you can move on to the next step. But this act can add a few minutes back to your day, which can add up over time. So even if you're thinking, man, this, this thing only takes me five minutes a day. You know, if you're working five days a week, that's 25 minutes a week over the term of a year. That's 25 hours. That's a whole day you could add back to your life. So the next question is, what can I automate? There are plenty of apps, virtual assistants, or services out there that automate plenty of roles for very cheap, if not even free. And the most practical way for me to explain this to you is simply just to ask yourself, what am I doing right now that an affordable robot can probably do in 2020 or whenever you're listening to this podcast in the future? Now, once you identify a few things, just simply Google it, how to automate blank. I kid you not, it seems simple, but oftentimes the the answers to our complexities are very simple. So the last thing, once you've eliminated some stuff, you've identified what you can automate, we're gonna move on to the last question, which is what can I delegate? Everything left on your to don't list needs to be delegated at this point. So now we're gonna move on to step five. Document your processes. So we've done some work, right? We've hired the right team, or we've got a couple good people on our team. We've done a personal audit. We've spent some time thinking about how we spend our time. Then we've created a to don't list. And now we've eliminated some stuff. We've automated some stuff, and we've got this these leftover things that we we don't need to do, but that need to get done, and we're going to delegate them. But the problem with most people and with most leaders and high level performers, is that we're scared to delegate because we're scared people won't do something as good as we do. Now, how you transition to there is by documenting your processes. It's a boring process, at least for me, but it is so crucial. We call this SOPs in the business world or standard operating procedures, which is just a fancy technical phrase for how you do what you do as well and as consistently as you do it. Um, Again, in my opinion, this is the most boring part, but it's the most necessary part of delegation. You can be an incredible teacher physically and verbally, but if your people don't have any documentation to reference later on, then your processes and procedures will quickly get diluted. Consistency is key, so take the time to get alone with a large cup of coffee or a big energy drink and no distractions and document the step-by-step processes behind whatever roles or responsibilities that you want to delegate. Then make sure to save this documentation somewhere that is quickly and easily accessible, because as your your team grows and as your company grows, people are going to leave. People are going to. And that way you need this documentation. So you don't rely on your high level performers that quit to teach somebody else. Just future reference. Step six. Now we've documented our processes and we're going to identify the most competent person on your team as it relates to this role and we're going to give them the documentation. Now, even in businesses or teams with just a few people, there is often a hierarchy. Whether it's based off of titles, talent, or time with the company, you often know who the best person is from top to bottom. Depending on whatever the role or responsibility is that you're trying to delegate, choose the most highly competent person in that specific area to take it. John Maxwell once said that if you think someone can do something 80% as well as you or better, then give it to them. Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor of a large uh, megachurch throughout the country, he likes a 60% rule. If they can do a 60% as well, then give it to them. Now, I personally am a fan of, of happy mediums, and I look up to both of those leaders very much. So my rule of thumb is 70%. Now, once you've decided, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in. Of course, we want to assume that our employees or teammates are in for whatever we decide to give them, but that's not always the case. So Once you've got somebody in mind that you know is really competent and capable, we have to reach out to them and ask them if they actually want to do this thing. If they've got the time, if they feel like they're competent enough. Once they've committed to taking on this new responsibility, then step six is done. On to step seven. Perform the work with them. A mistake that a lot of leaders make is impatience. You've documented your strategies. You know this person's really smart, you hand them the document and you're like, this is yours now. That is not how you finish delegation. Haste makes waste every single time, I promise you. So don't skip the steps. Step seven, perform the work with them. We'll call this demonstration. Now you've identified what you're going to delegate, you've documented how it's done, and you've chosen your person. Now you just need to sit down with them after they read through the SOP, and do it with them. Explain to them the minor details of how you do it, what you do, that may not have been thoroughly explained in your manual. The little nuances that you do that you couldn't even think about whenever you were documenting your standard standard operating procedures. Then we're going to go on to step eight. Let them perform the work with you there. We call this coaching. Once you've gone through it with them and they've watched you do it, then it's time to let them do it while you watch Make sure to give them real time feedback and let them know how they can improve. Real time feedback is crucial because if you don't correct them right away while you're sitting with them, then they will think they are performing at the highest level and will always do it that way. Let them master how you've taught it before they begin to put their own spin on whatever it is. So my rule of thumb is you've got to master how I do it. And then if you think you've got a better way, you can try it then. On to step nine identify if they've reached your 70% or more threshold, and if so, let them have it. This step really speaks for itself. If they've proven their performance to be at least 70% as well as yours with signs of growth, then let them have it. And on to the last step. Again, don't skip any steps. This one, if not, might be the most important step. Teach them The steps one through nine so they can begin to develop leaders too. Early in the show, I talked about there's a massive difference between managers, entrepreneurs and leaders. You can be one of all of those at the same time, but being one doesn't mean you'll be the other. A good manager knows how to manage people, manage the status quo. A great manager might know how to delegate, but a phenomenal leader knows how to delegate, but then he knows or he, she knows how to teach their other performers how to delegate to other leaders. After you've helped develop them into this new role, it's easy to think that your work as a leader is done, but leadership doesn't stop there. Our job is to always develop other leaders. So make sure that he or she understands the nine steps that you took through and through to teach them and feel free to give them this teaching, share the podcast or share the blog with them, whatever works best. Now, after reading or listening through these steps, you might find yourself less encouraged to begin delegating from all the perceived work it takes. Right. You're thinking there's 10 steps to this. That's crazy. You might feel more inclined to just keep doing all of the work yourself. But keep in mind, leadership is an investment. And by learning to delegate, you're going to free up your time and energy in the long run. And you're going to empower others to begin performing at a high level, which is the ultimate purpose of leadership. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the teaching. That is the 10 steps to master delegation. If you have any comments or feedback, feel free to shoot me an email or shoot me a DM. Again, I'm most active on Instagram at Jared Axel Grabiel. If you enjoyed the show, please take 60 seconds to leave us a review. Otherwise, we look forward to having you back on the next show. Thanks and God bless.